All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We come back today to this text of verses 17 to 24. I've already read in our scripture reading verses 17 to 20. And as I said in our previous studies, this is a passage that is rarely taught on its own because I think it's a hard topic theologically to understand. But a few people told me that they, they understand it's dealing with the status quo. And they thought that I made it very clear. Okay, and I thought that was good. I'm very thankful that um, it was made very, very clear. Um, I'm reading from the wrong sermon notes. I'm thinking, that was last week's servant. You don't want last week's servant. Yeah. It's the same introduction, but um, what I had here is that I was very encouraged because someone told me that the first two lessons were very straightforward, and I was glad, and it was meant to come across very straightforward, but as we go through today's lesson, it gets even a little more difficult, keeping the status quo, because we're going to be talking about slavery and especially with the history that we've had in america dealing with slavery um it gets to become much of a sensitive topic so let me read verses 21 to 24 it says were you called while a slave do not worry about it but if you are able also to become free rather do that for he who was called in the lord while a slave is the lord's freedman likewise he who was called while free is christ's slave You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in the condition in which he was called. So you haven't been with us. We've been talking about the fact that we are to keep the status quo. And Wes, if you can get it up, okay? We, We are going to keep the status quo. This is what God wants. And we've talked about it in these three areas. We've about marriage. We're to stay to keep the status quo. In our culture, we're not to turn from Jew to become Jewish in the sense we need him to become circumcised. Um, for, for the first one, we don't need to run into marriage or run out of marriage. We don't want to run into being Jewish or run out of being Jewish. And then today we're dealing with vocation, you know, whether you know, we often apply it to our jobs, but whether I stay free or whether I stay slave, as a slave. And when you deal with this concept of staying um, a slave, you can get people really upset. And, and I think it's very important we understand the background before you get emotionally charged, if anyone would get emotionally charged on this. I want you to understand that slavery is outlawed today in the United States and around the world. And there is no place in the world in which this passage ultimately should be kept as applicable because no one should say, I'm a slave, but... What we are aware of today is that there are 25, between 25 and 40 million people that are considered slaves today in the sex industry. And I don't know if anybody read the newspaper this morning. I thought, how ironic that this morning's newspaper, I forget if it was page six or page seven, talked about the fact that in Hammond, this woman got 17 years for prostitution. And I thought, why would somebody just get 17 years for prostitution? Well, come to read the details of this morning's article was that out of Hammond, she was running um, 
a, a, basically a, a prostitution ring where she was getting teenage girls, and once she got them in, she wasn't letting them go. And she, basically, she was running a slave trade. They don't use the exact same word, but this woman was getting these teenagers, and they were keeping them on drugs. They were keeping them drugged up. They were keeping them um, arrest, you know, confined so they couldn't get out. They busted this woman, and, and they, they've set all these girls free here in Hammond. And so, you know, you think, where in the world is this happening? What's right around us? And for those of you who remember, a couple years ago, um, Indianapolis held the Super Bowl. When Indianapolis had the Super Bowl, what did they do here in Hammond? Well, the, the, the feds, our federal government, brought in a special seminar because wherever the Super Bowl goes, these sex trafficking groups go where they capture people and they have people as sex slaves and you think this is this is 2018 this can't be going on but it is it is happening and it's said that there are more people who are quote-unquote slaves than ever before in human history because of this so um, we need to understand how this has some application to today but obviously if God is saying hey I want you to stay a slave you know which is kind of we're going to have to study this in its context. You, I want you to understand, if somebody knows somebody who's a, in this sex industry, and this wouldn't apply to them. This wouldn't apply to someone, hey, if you're a sex slave, stay a sex slave. No. And, you know, part of what, as I even thought about this this morning, I've been made aware of somebody that is doing some very immoral things, stripping, and that, you know, we have, to, we have to be aggressive, those of you who are aware of this situation, that we have to go after this person. We've got to get this person out. Um, and part of my heart's desire is maybe one day our church will have a ministry where we can start getting some of these women out. I think it's got to come from women who are really engaged in this because I think men being involved in this could be really touchy. And just have it on your heart because as I'm just more and more aware of what's going on in this evil 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 business it's touching us here in hammond and so we we need to be aware of it so let, let we're studying this even though it, no one's gonna you know should be saying okay i'm gonna stay a slave but there's some really incredible principles in this passage i think they're gonna blow you away so let me get to the background to be clear we are talking about slavery we are talking about the practice where somebody owns another person where one person has no rights or limited lot, lot rights and just to be even more clear, children, we are not talking about you. <laughs> I thought that was a good joke. Okay, Ethan, you're not smiling. You got to smile. We're not talking about you. Okay, um, we're talking about slavery, where somebody is without full rights, and we're talking about a very, very, very difficult practice. As I've said before, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, one third to one half, and I checked several sources uh, that said this, half, up to one half of the people of the world were slaves at this time. Now, what's critical for us to understand, especially in our culture, is that often when we talk about slavery, people think, oh, we're talking about African Americans. We're talking, when Paul writes this, most of the people were white or light brown skin, you know, they weren't, as we consider African Americans, black. And 
we've got to get out of that mentality. And part of, I think, the lie that's out there is that whenever you talk about slavery, you're talking about black people. And that's an incredible lie. Because like, when he, I was thinking, even like when you watch the movie The Ten Commandments, you don't have black people being slaves. You have the Jewish people being slaves. You have, in essence, a, a white group of people being slaves. And I think very few people know this. But do you know the first slaves in America? The first slaves in America were about 500,000 Irish people. Um, and it's a horrific story. It's a horrific story. So we need to understand why would God write this about slavery? It's because we're going to touch upon this. It's the human heart. And, and mankind, where they try to justify its slavery from an economic standpoint, or they'll try to justify this from a um, standpoint of just where, where people are just cruel, we have to understand slavery has been going on from what we can tell, as long as we can tell with human history. And why doesn't God get rid of slavery um, when we go through this passage? Why didn't he say, you know, if you come down and you see and you look at this passage and he says, verse 21, were you called while a slave? Don't worry about it. But if you're able to become free, you'd rather do that. But basically, he's basically saying, stay a slave. You say, you've got to be kidding me. But the, the reality of it is, is God came to change human hearts first and foremost. Because mankind is needing a new heart. And one of the, um, one, one of the um, well, let me just jump to this. In, in the previous slides that we've done up here, I've gone through and I said there's different spiritual truths that are underlying this passage. I'm going to jump over those. And if you weren't here, go back and look, listen to the podcast. But there is a fourth spiritual truth that I would like to add to our list. And the fourth spiritual truth is this one. Is that everybody here is a slave either to God or Satan. That's a critical spiritual truth that you need to understand. That... You can't walk with God and hold hands with Satan at the same time is like an application of this. But there are, the Bible teaches there are two masters out there. There's either Satan or there's God. And who is ruling your life? And when you have God as your master, you have righteousness as your master. It's interesting. You're either a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin. A slave to God or a slave to Satan. There's different ways it's pictured in the Bible. And this is taught in Romans chapter 6. You just jot that down. I'm going to be quoting that in a second. But just understand this. Now, here's a good thing for you to know. When God is your master, he is one who blesses. Satan is a master who doesn't give a rip about those that he is controlling. He'll, he'll kill his people. God doesn't want that. He wants good for his people. All right? And so today, it's very, very hard for people sometimes to think about the fact that we're talking about masters and slaves within Christianity. And I want to explain something. As we look at this, God knows all people are in either a relationship with him where he is the the master, or God is recognizing that everyone is in a relationship where Satan is the master. And a couple years ago, I brought this up here. John MacArthur did this book. It's called Slave, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I'm not always going to recommend everything that John MacArthur does, but this is a book that I would highly recommend. And what he wanted to do in this book was it came out of a study that he had done. He wanted to show that God 
addresses all people who are believers under this word slave. And I want to read what he wrote. He goes, he said, why, why, you know, why aren't people recognizing the fact that, that we are considered slaves? And it's, this is a very interesting twist. What happened was, he writes that it dates back to our first English Bibles, back to the 16th century. It back to John Calvin and John Knox and other translators putting together the Geneva Bible. They had made a decision to take this word, a Greek word called doulos, which is always uncategorically should be translated as slave. But when they were putting the Bible together, the Geneva Bible in the 16th century, they already felt that there was too much of a stigma with the word slave and the concept of slavery. Because in Europe, they had gotten parts of it had gotten rid of slavery from the 14th century when the whites and others were the buns being held slaves and so they felt like oh my goodness this has too strong a downside it's too humiliating we don't want to put in the word slave which is sounding too harsh so what we're going to do is whenever we see the word doulos instead of properly translating it slave we're going to translate it servant and this got carried over. Some of you have a new King James Bible. I mean, a King James Bible. In the King James Bible, every word that should have been translated slave has been translated servant. And so listen to some of these passages. And you understand how significant this doctrine is. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 24. And just maybe jot these references down. And you can go back there later and listen. And the idea here is for us to understand how God looks at everyone that is following him as his slave. Matthew 10, 24 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. Because Jesus wants us to understand our relationship to him. And it's no, we're not any different. But he references us as slaves. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says this. It says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Remember, all people live in a spiritual world. Man doesn't live by bread alone. We're either a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin. Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse 46. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds doing so when he comes, doing the right thing. Jesus is talking about when he comes back. And he references, the, in essence, by the illustration, the people who are his followers are his slaves. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. Jesus, in giving this illustration, says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. Some of our versions, and, and I've even quoted, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, the actual translation should be slave because the Greek word doulos. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now you can hear as you're hearing this, you're starting to say, wait a second, slavery, that's really, it's, you know, Mike, it's just not a popular thing today. And especially because we get the, the foolish idea, and I say foolish, that the only people who have ever been slaves is black people and we make it so that we don't want to offend them and and then passages like this aren't often taught because we don't want to offend but the reality of it is god is talking about all people who are his followers as his slaves and so matthew um, 
25, 23 was that last passage. Now listen to this. John 15, 15. Jesus on the last night of his life says, no longer I call you slave. Now wait a second. He says, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things I've heard from my father I've made known to you. What is interesting is I want you to grasp God does call us slaves and Jesus says though, but I'm also elevating you to a status of friendship. So we're slaves that know more about what's going on. And hopefully systematically, you're able to balance this because Jesus is saying, no longer do I call you slave, I call you friend. But as we go on through the scriptures, he continues to call believers slaves. So just five verses later, Five verses later, John 15, verse 20, Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. So it's critical that we understand that it's a special relationship with slavery that we have with God. And as MacArthur goes on to talk about, he goes, here's an interesting corresponding word that I want to mention as well. And he says, and that is the word master, Lord, right? He goes, if I were to ask you, let me ask you a fundamental question. What is the foundational reality that defines what it means to be a Christian? What is the fundamental reality that distinguishes the believer's relationship with Christ? What is our great confession in three words? And that is, Jesus is Lord. In fact, if you want to be saved, Romans 10.9 and 10.10 says you confess Jesus as Lord. And the Greek word for Lord is kurios. Kurios is the corresponding word to doulos. Remember, doulos means slave. Kurios means master. Kurios is Lord and master. Doulos is slave, he goes on to say. You can no more eliminate doulos from the believer's relationship to the Lord than you can eliminate kurios. And so it's with this idea then that we understand that Paul is saying, I want you to recognize this concept of slavery and how it plays out now in the believer's life. So here's what we've got. So far, we've talked about don't change your status as a general rule, especially in marriage. If you are a believer, you don't have to, and you got saved and you got saved and you were married to an unbeliever, don't rush out of marriage, don't rush into marriage, either one. That was what those verses, what verse 17 was talking about. Then we come to verses 18 and 20, incredibly don't change your cultural status you don't need to become jewish and you don't need to become gentile if you were a jew which it still boggles my mind that they had a surgical procedure to reverse circumcision some two thousand years ago but now we come to this and it says do not change your societal status if you are a slave stay a slave if you can free be free but if you can get free Stay free. So let's just break this down. Verse 21, he says, were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are, you are able also to become free, rather do that. So were you called while a slave? Remember this word call is the effectual call. When you became a believer. So I'm not going to go through that again, but nine times that word is used in this section of scripture. Eight of those reference the effectual call when you became a Christian. So he's saying, were you called while a slave? Don't worry about it. But if you're able to also become free, rather do that. So he's like saying, you know, don't worry. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? How in the world, as even a pastor, can I tell people, don't worry about being a slave? I mean, we have this concept of worry is to be fretting and be all upset. We've got 
the passage in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, don't worry about you know, what you're going to eat or what food you're going to have, and people are struggling over that, you elevate it to the fact we're telling somebody, don't worry about being a slave. I'm thinking, Paul, who are you talking to? I mean, I was slave you better believe every day i'm thinking about my freedom every day i'm thinking about when i was going to get out i I love my independence i'm sure everybody here loves their independence what in the world why would god say don't worry about it and then he says well but if you can't get free get free so you say well that's really nice okay so he's at least saying um okay with the status quo i'm not fighting for my freedom but if I can, maybe somebody buys me or it allows me to go free, then I can go free. Then, you know, if you're able to do that, do that. Well, why would God do this? And, and this is where theologically you have to understand God is taking the big picture. God is recognizing that our time on this earth is very short, that we are only here for, what, 70 or 80 years. And, and so God recognizes that if you had to, worst case scenario, live your life out as a slave, then you are still going to be okay because a million years from today, it's going to only be a blip. You talk about a challenge to each one of you, a challenge that each one of you has to start thinking about, thinking about being oriented for, for billions of years. That's what this verse is. You talk about a challenge because that is what slaves of that day would have heard. Oh my goodness. Don't have a revolt. Don't try to overturn the culture. And I'm talking like, you know, some of you are worried about what you're going to eat this afternoon. Some of you are going to be worried about, you know, whether your sports team wins. What do you mean don't worry about being a slave? That has got to be incredibly intense. But God is giving something that is going to take a supernatural response for you to have the orientation if and we're talking you being a physical slave and that you had to think through this from generations in the sense i'm only here for 80 years i'm only here for 100 years but then i'm going to go to heaven so then he says in verse 22 for he who was called in the lord while a slave is the lord's freed man and this is the only time this word freed man is used in scripture and he says for he was called in the lord while a slave is lord is, is, is in essence somebody that is is free you say wait a second i'm in chains i'm in chains you know you 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 know my master can sell off my family my fa- my master can can make me you know, go to one part of, of the world while he sends my family to another part. But God is saying, ultimately, if you are the Lord, if you are in the Lord, you are free. You really have to see that God is the one that's in control. You are the Lord's freed man. And it's a totally different orientation. You talk about living above your physical circumstances. You know, we tell people like, you know, somebody loses the ability to walk and we say to them, you know, you know, one day you're going to walk in heaven and you can see, I mean, my goodness, sometimes people get really could be bitter about stuff like that. And, and here you're telling somebody, okay, I want you to even go beyond the fact that, you know, just wait until you can walk again. I want you to wait until you're free. But I believe God would give someone that's a true slave the orientation that 
wow, God really sees me as free. And I've got to recognize that I am free. And I think that's why other passages, when you talk about work and jobs, and God says, even if you have an unruly master, we often apply that, you're to serve them very favorably. Why? Because you're to have this recognition that ultimately you're serving God, and God has assigned you into this position. And you think, well, this is really cruel. Why would God allow this? Well, because, again, the human heart is desperately wicked. And God knows throughout cultures, different times, people will enslave people. And, it, and it's ridiculous. And sometimes people say, well, that, you know, that's a cop-out. But you have to understand, humanity is really, really cruel to one another. And I tell you, here's an illustration. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of it. Have, that, have anybody heard of Sierra Leone? Sierra Leone. Sierra, what, let me just explain, if you haven't heard this. In the 1800s, in the 1800s, there was a, a desire in Britain as well as in America to get rid of the, the black slaves in the United States in the sense of to free them. So what they did, so what a group of people did was they started buying slaves, the black slaves, and then sending them to this part of northern Africa, Sierra Leone. And they thought, this is really great. We've got this territory in Sierra Leone that, w- that we're going to give them their freedom. So they bought these slaves. They sent them to Sierra Leone. And then what happened? Like 10, 20 years later, they went back and they followed up on these slaves that were let free. And what did they find? These black slaves that were freed from Britain and America had gone to Sierra Leone and they said, hey, this slavery concept is so good. There's other blacks here that don't, aren't as educated as us. We're going to enslave them. And so they set up slavery themselves. And the reason you say, well, why would black people enslave others? It's because the white people enslave other white people and brown people enslave other brown people. People's hearts are so wicked. And God recognizes that mankind is always going to be doing this to people. And so God doesn't want us to be the people who are upsetting the apple cart. But if we can get people saved, then I think people would allow people to no longer be slaves. So look at, he says, verse 22, for he was called in the Lord while called a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave, Christ's doulos. And here's where all of a sudden you think, well, we're talking about slaves and, and I'm not a slave, but this is where it becomes applicable to you. And this is what I want you to understand. And this is where I was hoping that today, when you leave today, you would start to think, wait, wait a second, I'm free but God is thinking me as his slave. And, and I do think if your version has the word servant there, it's cutting it short because a servant sounds like a maid or a butler. But a slave sounds so much more significant, so much more harsh. But he's actually saying that. If you were called while free, you're Christ's slave. And the comparison was, hey, the slave is really free in Christ. And that takes an incredible mentality, a spiritual reality. But also, does it require such a giant mental responsibility, where, I mean, a mindset, where all of a sudden, you know, hey, you know, it's 12 o'clock and, you know, church is over and I'm going to go do my own thing. And now I'll do my own thing until next Sunday morning. No, you've got to understand the peer person that is a faithful Christian recognizes you're Christ's slave. And that harshness and that reality is what you've got to grasp. Your life is not your own. 
You are, you are to be living where you don't have independence, where ultimately God is the one telling you this is the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act, and everything runs through the word of God. Now, it doesn't make you like a robot, but it does recognize that you can't just say, I live independently. I live any way I want. I don't, it doesn't matter what I do, what I say. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, positively does. So this passage that you think, well, doesn't have application for whether someone stays a slave or not a slave because slavery is no longer legal anywhere in the world, it does have incredible application when you look at verse 22. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you would like repel, re- be repulsed against that, you've got to really check your heart because you've got to ask yourself, is this the way I'm living my life? You don't have a choice. We are his slave. Jesus is Lord. You know the Bible over 700 times in the New Testament alone calls Jesus Lord, master. He doesn't use just a, 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 a mild term. And even some places he uses even a harder term for he's the despot. He is the one who is the controller of us. Absolutely. You know, you think someone's a despot. You think, wow, that's really over the top. But Jesus is called the despot. Jesus is called the Lord, the master. So you run through this and it's, it's bought with the price. Do not become 23, verse 23, you were bought with a price. And why would he throw that in there? He throws that in there so that you have a mindset, a mentality that you, you were bought with a high price. Now we can understand, you know, we, we've seen images of how slaves were bought and sold well the reality of it is is we were bought turn to first peter chapter one and you know if, if you don't understand this and you don't like this you have to understand that's why i gave you that spiritual truth everyone is either a master has a master who's satan or a master who's god and when people are sinners And before they become saved, Satan is their master. And God, through this spiritual marketplace, came in and bought us from Satan, paid a price, I don't know, to the system. I don't know if it was actually paid to Satan. I I often think he just, he pays the price because maybe God the Father is running the whole system, but he pays the price because of the legality of it so that we can be free. And in case you've missed this passage, you need to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 17. And 1 Peter chapter 17 is very much talking about the high price that was paid. He says, if you address the Father as the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed, and that's the word purchase, bought out of the marketplace, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of the lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So the bottom line is that Christ paid the penalty for us. He was the one that was paying the penalty. Now, you know, any of us, you know, if you ever buy something and you pay something significantly for it, you know, you, you buy a brand new car, you buy a brand new house, you don't want to flippantly like, oh, it doesn't matter if I smash the car. It doesn't matter if we burn the house down. Yeah, it does. It was a high price that was paid. You know, 
you buy a kid for Christmas, I've used this illustration before, a great you know, toy, and that kid just flippantly plays with it and breaks it. And you think, oh my goodness, I saved and saved and saved so you can have this special toy for Christmas, and now you broke it. Well, I want you to understand God is saying, listen, I bought you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the, the wages of sin is death, and the price that needed to be paid to get you out of judgment was another life had to be paid, a substitute, and I paid it. And so, therefore, don't treat this life that's been given to you insignificantly, and don't forget the orientation here. I bought you. In verse, but with precious blood of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Jesus, who is God, come in the flesh, died, paid the penalty that's incomprehensible. And you want to treat this as if, you know, I've got independence? You don't have any independence. You are God's slave. You are bought with a price. And this concept of slavery runs throughout the New Testament. But again, like I said, because people don't want to be offensive they didn't want to be offensive to the white people in the 16th century. They didn't want to be offensive to the black people today. And whatever group there is that could be offended by it, this word has been downplayed. But you need to grasp the significance. God calls us his slave, and we've been bought with a price. And so, verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last days for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him, gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you've been in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you were born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. And basically, this whole section is, is live committed. Ask yourself honestly, if people went around today and, and said, am I, am I a, a committed believer or not? You don't ask your neighbor. Ask Someone in your family, am I a committed believer? And if they would say, no, you've got problems. I, and I, my, my concern is because when God judges and he says, well, good, done, and faithful slave, is he going to say that to you? And if he's not, if you still have breath, get your life going today because I'm trying to warn you. I am trying to get you to understand as your pastor, as someone who cares for you, if you're not living a committed life where God is your master, then you're going to be in trouble come judgment day. And it's no, no different than when I tell the kids in my own family, hey, if you don't study, you know, you just don't walk into a classroom and all of a sudden get an A. It's all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna be, there's going to be a, a, a judgment time and that judgment's going to be a bad grade. Listen, every person who's a believer in Jesus Christ is going to be judged for how you live your life. 1 Corinthians 3 is really clear. Are you going to hear, well, good, done, and faithful? Slave. So my passion is to get you ready. I want everyone here to hear those words. And it comes with the orientation, I am the slave. And we know, we deal with, I, we joke, I joke about the kids. Oh, you know, you know kids, you got to take out the garbage. And it's like, oh, my goodness. You, you think that I've, I, I've actually, you know, put the kids in chains. And, 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 and you, you think that that stops with kids, but I've learned what adults do is they learn how to play the word games and try to not come off as somebody who's rebelling against this. But the reality of it is there are people who are like, there's no way God tells me what to do, and there's only, I only go so far. Well, God is saying, no, you are Christ's slave, 
And, and I can tell you right now in your heart, whether you know whether you're willing to go far for God, how far you're going to go. And, and so look at verse 23. He says, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Why would he say don't become slaves of men? It's because don't let men force you into living their way. Ultimately, you've got to be committed to them. And the idea is, is that you end up feeling the pressure. Oh, you know, my coworkers, they don't like me talking about God. Oh, my, you know, my, you know, my neighbors don't like me talking about God. Or, you know, I really don't want to come off with this God chip on my shoulder. Don't become slaves of men. Don't let people orient you how you're to live. The world is always trying to conform us. But we need to be people who are conformed by God. And, and ultimately, for people who were being made slaves, physical slaves by humans, he says, don't let those people control you either. Don't, let, don't become a slave to, to them. You, you know, you're going to heaven. And then so finally he wraps this up and he says, verse 24, brethren, fellow believers, each one is to remain with God in the condition in which he was called. And there is that commandment again, to remain, to abide, to stay. And, and so he's trying to orient us with this idea, don't change your societal status. If you can become free, be free. But if you recognize you're a slave, stay a slave until you can get free. And you think, wow, it, that's just different. You know, that's not what I think about when I think about Christianity. Um, why didn't God uphold and turn over you know, get rid of, get rid of slavery. Well, like I said, it, it, theologically, I've got to put it together. And I think about this principle that we had up here. Um, yeah. That everyone is a slave, either to God or Satan. Okay? And so as we go forward, here's what we go. Be discerning about the status quo. That's what I, we've put up there over and over and over. Because somebody is in, could be in a situation where they want to get married, go ahead and get married. But you don't do it to get yourself closer to God. Don't change your nationality to get closer to God. Don't change whether you're a physical slave to get closer to God. But again, not applicable. So what we go for um, is to remember these were the principles that we studied, that the truths. Your status doesn't change your relationship to God. You're married, you're not married. You're still, if you're a believer, you're close to God. God is more concerned about your obedience than the comfort of your status. How critical it is that we understand that. That God wants us to be people that recognize that, you know, I could be in a lousy marriage, but God wants me to honor him, okay? Jesus came to change hearts before he changed your status in society, and that deals with today, and everyone is either a slave to God or Satan. And so we said, be content no matter where you face. Suffer for God's purpose, Glorify God in your body. And let me read this. One pastor wrote this, and I thought this was good. He said, we think if we only had a different job, I could really serve the Lord. If I were only in a different kind of marriage, I could really honor the Lord. If only, what are you saying? God is no longer sovereign over your life? And you're saying God really isn't sovereign can't he goes i can't tell you the number of people who have talked to me and said well you know i just got saved and i don't want to continue just what i've been doing wait a minute don't make any changes really what you need to consider is this is this is 
where I was when God called me. This is what he assigned to me. So I assume this is where he wants me to be. Do you think that you got there by accident? No, we believe the word of God. And again, just take the second and look at verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each. Meaning that we talked about that, talking about God's sovereignty. God puts you in the marriage, the job, the situations that you were in. And so use discernment. Is there times for change? Yeah. But the general concept is to think about God has you where he has you to use you. And so that's my heart's desire. And so today, as we talked about a subject that I think is very hard, think about whether you're living with Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your master, as your one whom you're a slave to. And if you're not, then I think it's time for you to turn to God because the reality of it is, is Satan is your master and Satan doesn't care. Satan gets you to drink. Satan gets you to lie. Satan gets you to cheat. Satan gets you to do all kinds of things. And when he does it, he laughs at you because you think you've got freedom when the actuality is, is he's got you captured and he's there to destroy your life. You show me somebody that drinks, somebody that cheats on their spouse, somebody that, somebody that lies, somebody that cheats on their taxes, anything they do, and they think they really have freedom. Well, you know that they all get caught and something always comes back to ruin their life. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you've looked at your life and you say, oh my goodness, everywhere I look, it just seems like I thought I, has, I was making choices for me, but in actuality, it was just bringing about destruction and bringing about something bad. Well, that's because Satan's your master. Turn to the one who loves you and will be the good master. Turn to Jesus Christ today. Let's pray. Father, I hope that all of us as believers really think through this concept. It's a hard concept that you're, a slave master. But Lord, you've got an orientation for us. You really want us to think through our commitment to you through all the various passages you give on this very difficult subject. Help our people who I love, who I care for, have this orientation. Life is going to be judged and how we live committed to you does matter. Father, this is harsh terminology in our culture that wants to never think of people being slaves and never wants to go back to slavery. And God, we don't want to go back to where humans are slave masters over another. We hope, Lord, that we can, even as a culture, get many of these sex slaves out of this business and this horrific evil that's going on. But Lord, you've told us that we live in a spiritual world and a reality that we need to accept how I pray that everyone here grasps and starts thinking about their orientation, their relationship, and are they really committed to being a slave to you? Thankful, Lord, that you have told us that, and shown us that you're a master who is good and gracious and kind. Oh, Father, if there's anybody here today that's always rebelled and always turned away from this, maybe today they are seeing the harshness of the master whom they serve. They see that unrighteousness brings about destruction. Maybe they see that Satan is cruel. He's a wicked taskmaster who offers freedom but really just gives imprisonment. I pray, Lord, that maybe someone's eyes are being opened today and they're turning to you and coming to faith and saying, look, I want, I want to run to Jesus, someone who will be a good and faithful master. Oh, God, how I pray that happens today. In Jesus' name, amen.